Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the 178th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a deep seam across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, man? What's up, Josh? Uh, just, uh, you know, since football season ended, uh, I've you know, been trying to figure out what I can do to, to fill my time. And uh, I, I got to pick up a hobby like collecting stamps or basket weaving or um, maybe this little podcast that we do. Oh, what's up, guys? Hey, Excited gosh. to be here. All right. Well, we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city. They call him Mr. Fahrenheit. He's traveling at the speed of light. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Yeah, I mean, I've always really liked Queen, but since seeing Bohemian Rhapsody last weekend, I've been on like a nonstop Queen binge, man. It, it's It's been good. You mentioned it. I was listening to it before the show, and I am pumped and ready to go. So let's get right into it. Josh, quick slants. Uh, you're off to uh, our favorite conference, the American. Yeah, it seems like we kind of bounce around who gets to spotlight the, the conference that we all near and dear and love. And I've got a double dip for us. Uh, Friday night, tomorrow night, 8 p.m., SMU, they are hanging on to their division, but they got a tough one. They host Memphis. Memphis is seven-and-a-half-point road favorites. Memphis is six-and-four, three-and-three, still mathematically alive. SMU, four-and-two in conference. That's why they're leading the division, but just five-and-five overall. Uh, regardless of if they hang on to win the division or not, this has been a nice season for SMU, a team that we had pretty low expectations for, quite frankly. And then the other game, Temple, they are 5-1 and one in conference. They are clearly the only team that even has a sniff of this division. If Central Florida somehow messes up, I don't see it happening. But no. the Owls have been playing some really good football, but they host – South Florida, who even though they're three and three in conference, they are seven and three overall. So that should be an exciting way to start my Saturday afternoon is watching Temple and South Florida. Well, as we record here on Thursday night, Houston is uh, taking Tulane out to the shed. It's forty-one to nine in the third quarter. Um, a surprise, though, from last night's action. Just quickly, Buffalo got stomped by Ohio, and I don't think. Any of us really saw that coming. We knew Ohio was good. We thought it might be a competitive game, but not 52-17. No. to 17, And not Tyree Jackson looking scared out there. But yeah. we can talk about that a little bit more on our recap show. Yeah. Uh, Coach? I, I was I know- just, a, just a side note about that since you brought it up. The tiebreaker still um, – the whole, like, math of it still favors Buffalo. Ohio has the tiebreaker, yes, but Ohio needs to win next week, and they still need Buffalo to lose. But Buffalo's finale is against Bowling Green. This is one of the worst teams in the MAC. They've already fired their coach. Um, so Buffalo, you still have to assume is going to win out that they've that they find a way to win next week and win the division. Still, you don't like that taste in your mouth. Uh, no, you don't. Well, a, a team that has a really bad taste in their mouth, Coach, right now is Louisville. They are absolutely pitiful. They fired a certain motorcycle enthusiast recently, and their uh, their their coaching search uh, seems to be centered on Jeff Brom. Yeah, there's uh, there was a report that came out from Dan Datkich. Dockich. Dockich, however you say his name, um, that Jeff Brom was – is going to be announced the Monday after Thanksgiving, uh, coming over from Purdue. Of course, I haven't seen one other person report that. So, and mind and, you, Dan Dockich is a college basketball guy. He is, and he went to Indiana. He's he's not a very talented college basketball guy either. No, he's, he's definitely not. 
my uh, commentator of preference. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. Um, I, I would imagine Louisville is going to go after Jeff Brom first and foremost, um, and they're going to give him a number and force him to tell them no. Um, although it's debatable on whether the Purdue job or the Louisville job is, is better or which one is better. So um, we could debate that during uh, during our Black Monday podcast. But um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how, how it all shakes out. I think they offer him an astronomical number and wouldn't surprise me if he comes right on over. And uh, But that's, that's the report going on at Louisville. A couple other people that are looking. Uh, Maryland is currently looking. Uh, Damon Evans has hired a search firm. Uh, Matt Canada, if he keeps up, I thought he's done a pretty good job uh, with that program, and he has a, just as good a shot as anybody, but they don't, they don't have any lead candidates right now. I think they're still kind of just searching. Uh, but I will say, I'm, I'm, I'm in the tank for Matt Canada. I really hope he gets that job. I think considering the circumstances, he's done outstanding this year. They just lost Kasim Hill for the year, so that's going to be a big blow to them. But – yeah, no. he deserves a shot. Yeah, but he's going to get about five. Uh, DJ Durkin, excuse me, is going to get about a five million dollar buyout from uh, the University of Maryland. So um, he's going to get the golden parachute, nonetheless. Um, also, Kansas is looking. Um, here's a name that recently shot down the Jayhawks, Mark Mangino. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't know what you're going to do. I think he just threw that out there to say, no, I would not take the job. I don't think anyone's offering Mark Mangino the job, frankly. True. Um, uh, East Carolina, um, they're they're hinting at firing Scotty Montgomery. Um, Lindenwood Belleville uh, of the NAIA has recently hired a head coach. Uh, They promoted defense coordinator Pat Stewart for all of you uh, Lindenwood fans. Uh, rejoice. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, Western Michigan making a change at defensive coordinator. Uh, Cincinnati uh, having a really good year. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting year uh, as far as that goes, as far as all the coaching searches go. Uh, I, I think in a, on a serious note, the lead candidate for the uh, Jayhawk job is L.A. Rams senior offensive analyst or offensive assistant, Jed Fish, um, he was the former passing game coordinator at Michigan and UCLA offensive coordinator. Um, so he is uh, he's kind of that emerges kind of that lead uh, candidate. And if you're looking for the JUCO route, I'll end with this one. If you're looking to jump into junior college football, uh, Dodge City Community College, located in Dodge City, Kansas, is looking for a f- head football coach. So. Um, just so you know, they're looking as well. So that coaching search there will get interesting. Uh, Josh, before I get into my next slant, though, personally, I would not want to touch Louisville athletic department with a 10 foot pole. That place seems toxic. Yeah. You know, their athletic director got fired. They're paying Petrino not to coach. They're paying Rick Patino not to coach. Um, it's a mess right now. That's without, you know, that's an understatement right there. I will say this. I was kind of thinking about the, the rumors about Brom, and I, I take it with a grain of salt. Maybe Dockett will prove to be right, but I think he's just stirring up crap. That's what he does. He's a professional crapster. Um, in my opinion, I think this is a classic scenario of do you want to coach your alma mater and potential dream job versus – do you want to win championships, whether it's league or national title? And, um, you know, I don't know if Louisville is Brahms dream job. That's the rumor out there. Um, but I was sort of thinking about like, you know, what is Nick Saban's dream job? We don't know. He is driven to have the most perfectly run machine program. And he wants to win national titles. And that was always his dream. And he went to schools that could accomplish that. That's why he didn't stay at Michigan state. That's why he even moved on from LSU. He wanted to challenge himself in the NFL briefly. And it's why he has never, ever, ever entertained notions to go back home to West Virginia or to go back to his alma mater, Kent state. So maybe Brom has the lure of his old town team, or maybe he, 
has a passion like Nick Saban does, which is to shoot for the moon. And right now, Purdue has an amazing recruiting class. The division appears to be there for the taking as Iowa can't figure themselves out. Wisconsin is going through just a mess of a season. Nebraska is rebuilding. And so Purdue could very easily win the division next year. So I think those are kind of the factors at play. And I'm not sure any of us know Jeff Brom well enough to know where his uh, kind of priorities lie. Yeah, well, we will have to move on from that. For my first slant, I'm going to quickly get to the Battle of Los Angeles. USC, UCLA going down at the Coliseum this weekend. Uh, SC is the favorite, and, uh, you know, I think that things might go south for them, though. Uh, and if they do, I'm not going to be surprised at all if Clay Helton is fired come Black Monday. He's not Lynn Swan's guy to begin with. And I feel like a lot of the uh, the USC fan base is uh, not very uh, enthralled with him at this point. Chip Kelly, even though uh, they've been still losing a lot in the second half, their offense is really starting to come around. You know, their defense, as it seems every year, has suffered a ton of injuries. But the offense, and uh, Wilton Spate in particular, um, has been a, you know, a steadier hand than Dorian Thompson-Robinson was. Uh, USC's lost three of their last four. Their only win was versus Oregon State. And they've had a tough tr- time getting sustained offense. I feel like a lot of, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of UCLA's problems have been untimely turnovers, but they've been cutting down on those less. And I I really feel like UCLA has a chance in this one for some reason. And I feel like that would make the Bruin fan base uh, feel pretty good about this team going forward. Uh, Because if you remember early in the season, I think they started like 0-3 or 0-4. People were uh, a little more lukewarm on the prospects of Chip Kelly in Westwood. Anyhow, uh, Josh, uh, a couple games from the Big Ten I think you're going to get to. Yeah, they caught my eye purely for the spreads. Um, Division champion, Northwestern, nationally ranked, already clinched the West. They're heading to 5-5 Minnesota, and the Gophers are favored. The other spread that caught my eye, Iowa, train wreck, offense, woeful one week, decent the next week, woeful the next week. They hit the road to Illinois, and they are not just favored. They're two touchdown favorites. They're 14.5-point favorites over Illinois. I'm not sure Iowa can score 14 points in a game. Interesting stuff out of Vegas. All right. Uh, Coach, uh, what else is going on this weekend? Well, um, well. I just did my Spurrier voice there. Um, the SEC has a really strong slate of games uh, this week. <laughs> um, strong if if you're the uh, the visiting team, uh, your paycheck is going to be strong for coming in uh, and sacrificing yourself. Um, UMass is uh, – well, the Bulldogs are taking on the mighty Minutemen of UMass. Marcus Camby comes back, and uh, he's, he's going to be a force in the low po- – wait, no, this is, this is football, sorry. Um, the Citadel, at least Georgia's playing an FBS team. Uh, the Citadel visits Alabama. Um, Tua will, Tua will find a way to score 28 points on the first two passes of the game. Um, I don't know how that's going to happen, but, uh, he will. Uh, Idaho travels to the swamp, uh, to vandalize the swamp. Um, one of the few Conference games is uh, Mizzou, Tennessee. That'll be an interesting contest. Uh, Tennessee looking to become bowl eligible. Missouri uh, is continuing its roller coaster of a season, but Drew Locke is extremely talented. So is Larry Roundtree, but Tennessee is playing uh, their best football. Uh, I think as a as a podcast collective podcast, we're all Auburn fans this week because they take on Liberty at Jordan Air. Uh, UAB travels over to A and M. Rice goes down to Baton Rouge. Uh, Ole Miss Vandy, um, which has actually become a pretty good rivalry. Um, they kind of – there's no love lost between them two, both uh, one and five in the conference. Uh, Chattanooga and uh, is traveling to Columbia, South Carolina. And 
I'm not sure if Mississippi State's playing or not, but I don't really care. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go West Coast Corey here. Um, talk about a couple of games. The Battle of L.A. is one that really jumps out of the page on me, uh, or at me, I should say. Uh, two coaches that one is struggling, but the arrow's pointing up because he's in his first year, and he's uh, he's welcome back to college football. He's got to get adjusted. Uh, that's Chip Kelly. They're hosting the Trojans and the Rose Bowl, which is good uh, because L.A., the, the, they need to get the turf ready in the Coliseum because the Monday night football game uh, was moved from Mexico City to L.A. because um, of bad turf. Um, no, that, that didn't stop the Redskins. That did not stop. From putting RG3 out on bad turf. That's true. And look how that turned out. Yeah, it worked out well for him. Um, so that, that kind of pits a quarterback battle of uh, JT Daniels and uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And, you know, JT Daniels has put up good numbers, but the overall record doesn't – they're exactly 500, uh, which, you know, if you're a Trojan fan, that's not really uh, all that good. It's going to be one of those games where these two teams really – are even there, you know, for the season total yards, they're both averaging right, right at 370. Uh, USC is averaging a touchdown more than UCLA. Uh, yards allowed uh, is, is kind of where the discrepancy is. Uh, UCLA needs to find some defense. Uh, they're averaging 440, giving up 442 yards and uh, 33 points a game. They're going to kind of have to figure some things out on the defensive side of the ball, build some depth, uh, things like that. But I think with time, Chip Kelly's going to recruit some guys uh, to come in there and and and, and play some defense. But um, honestly, if you, I, I think USC is going to take this one if they can get if JT Daniels can get in a rhythm early. I, I think that they will overwhelm UCLA and UCLA will start to kind of feel like they have to get it all back um, quickly and they'll start to kind of go into panic mode. And I, I just think they're they're kind of a team that's trying to find their way and trying to find their mojo, and I don't think it's really going to happen. I think USC is going to is going to win the uh, the Battle of LA this this year. All right, so we disagree now, on that one. Now, did you guys hear how and why LSU scheduled Rice? It's a pretty interesting story. What's the story? So the AD was filling out the schedule while Coach O was eating lunch. The AD called and he says, hey, Coach, what do you think of rice? And I love rice. Coach O responded, oh, I love the rice. Oh, red beans and rice. There's rice, red rice beans. That's how, that's how it's scheduled. It was a miscommunication. <laughs> he thought he was asking what he wanted to go with his catfish, and he said red beans. <laughs> and... Uh, the AD said, okay, yes, we will schedule rice in uh, old red stick. <laughs> oh, God. That is far too plausible for my liking. It's much right. of a joke that could actually could have happened. Because <laughs> you know Coach O was about on his 10th can of Red Bull at that point. And it was I, mean, he's, you know, I mean, he's got his own fridge in his office. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, finally, the Badgers uh, will wallow into West Lafayette this weekend after their pathetic showing against Penn State. Uh, and they're just looking to not get blown out again, frankly. Uh, but I don't even think that's going to happen. There's no way uh, this team can possibly slow down Rondell Moore. He is one of the best players in the Big Ten, uh, much less, you know, cover him at all. And the Badgers have no pass rush whatsoever. Uh, Levi Segapolu out for the year. This, the defensive line is pathetic. Uh, it's not going to be too tough for Blau to carve up the Badger defense uh, and get the ball in the hands of Rondell Moore. Purdue's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I would take Purdue if they were a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, this Badger team is absolutely cooked. The only thing that would give me pause at all if I were a Boilermaker fan would be the rumors surrounding Jeff Brom. But, uh, you know, like I said to Josh, if I was him, I would not touch the Louisville Athletic Department with a 10-foot pole. Uh, but, you know, I guess that's the only thing I could really see derailing Purdue this weekend. There's no way that Wisconsin's going stick to in, stick in this one. All right. Well, now that that's off my chest, um, it's time for the pop quiz. Gentlemen, number two pencils, Scantrons, you know the drill. Can I use a Sharpie? 
I'm lenient. I'm feeling lenient today. So yes. Um, all right. In their last two games, both losses, by the way, the Davidson College Wildcats have rushed for 1,308 yards. 1,308 in the last two games. This year in FBS college football, there are 20 teams that have rushed for less than 1,308 yards for the entire season. You need to name the 20 worst rushing offenses in college football this year. Coach, I will start with you. Well, um, it's probably one of the best offenses, but uh, when you think of rushing, this team is probably last on the list, and that would be the Fighting Pirates. Uh, that is correct. Washington State is the second worst. They have rushed. They have rushed for 777 yards this year. They had one game where they had zero, and they still won. <laughs> and they still won and put up almost 500 yards. Mm-hmm. And that's when we got the epic quote about balance. Yeah, Josh. Well, uh, when I think of really, really bad offensive teams, one of the first clubs that comes to mind is San Jose State. They're one and nine. I think they've been shut out two or three times this season. They are really one of the most dreadful teams. I can't imagine San Jose State has many yards, regardless of whether it's through the air or the ground. They are the worst. Uh, they have 648 rushing yards in the year. They are averaging 2.1 yards per carry. Ooh, I, they played 10 games, so that's really a nice, easy way to just move the decimal over, and you'll get their yards per game. Yep. What, who did he say? San Jose State. Ooh, okay. I said San Jose State. Okay. San Jose State. Okay, so since you said San Jose State, I'm going to say San Jose State. Oh, wait. <laughs> um, so you got to think um, that just the bottom feeders can't throw or pass or run or kick or do anything right. So I'm going to go with a Yukon Huskies. Ooh, Yukon. Nice. I like um, that. Uh, sorry, Coach. Uh, unfortunately for you, they are, do not appear on this list. Um, Ooh, I can cool. tell you their exact number. Um here in just a second they are actually they've rushed for 2190 yards on the year so they they, that they're actually number 26 in the country in rushing what yeah how are they so bad (laughs) because they cannot stop a freaking nosebleed but they've they've rushed for 2000 that's even worse they've rushed for 2000 yards and they they uh, (laughs) it's like it would be one thing if they already had like 4,000 yards passing because they don't hold the ball very long. But if you're like control, I don't get that. They're controlling the clock. Sorry, coach. <laughs> well, another team that I think of when I think of really, really bad offense, uh, they were the worst offensive team a year ago. It cost their coach his job. Their new coach hasn't started out too hot. And it is the good old miners from UTEP. Are they on this list? UTEP, uh, they just break the threshold. They have 1,361, so that is your first strike. Oh, okay. Well, I knew they couldn't run worth a lick, but it just wasn't They're still averaging uh, a, a, a grand total of 3.62 yards per carry. Oof. Okay, if this team is not on the list, I'm, going to be- I'm quitting and going to bed. Okay, what you got? Rutgers. Rutgers, sorry, coach. They have. Oh no! They are, Good night, gentlemen. <laughs> they are, coach. They have five more yards than Davidson does. They have thirteen hundred and thirteen yards. Davidson has thirteen oh eight. Ooh. Well, so close. They were team number twenty one on a twenty team list. That is your second strike. You're kidding me. Well, I I admire the guess. Because I had it on my list as well, but I'm going to stay in the same conference. And despite winning the division, uh, Northwestern cannot run the ball until they played Iowa. Northwestern, in their glorious 2.77 yards per carry, have rushed for 1,021 yards this season. You are correct, Josh. And about 600 of that was against Iowa. Coach? Well, my conventional wisdom is completely thrown off. So, um, 
Let's see. When I think of putrid offenses, um, I think of teams that just light up the scoreboard on uh, in passing yardage. So I'm going to say Tulsa. 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 They, they sling it. Uh, <laughs> they have 2,100 yards rushing this year. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> <Struck> out. <laughs> Josh, uh, anyone else you got off, off, off the dome? Well, on my list, uh, I thought Michigan State was pretty bad. LJ Scott's been banged up, and they didn't on the with or without him. That is correct. So, so Sparty was on my list. Um, the... Good folks at uh, where is it? Where is it? It's uh, Bowling Green. They can't move the ball really at all, and they fired their coach. So I thought Bowling Green might be on the list. That is also correct. And then I had Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I had one other guess on my list. I was thinking maybe just based on how much they passed the ball, kind of going with Coach's great Washington State pick. And I also jotted down Hawaii. Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii has more uh, rushing yards than you expect. Not that much more, though. They're actually number 22. Uh, so they're one, a- one after Rutgers. They have 1,329. So, uh, Josh, uh, you've got an A. Corey, man, I'm going to keep giving you a C minus. You got one right, but uh, teams you missed. Uh, you guys got the worst two San Jose State and Washington State. Uh, you did not get Florida State. Uh, they have 798 yards in the year. They're averaging mm. less than two and a half yards a carry. Uh, the Mustard Buzzards, UTSA, Akron, Colorado State, East Carolina, Stanford. Stanford has 1,080 yeah. yards on Bryce the year. Love, Bryce Love, just not being healthy. North Carolina State, New Mexico State, Old Dominion. Uh, Tina, I was very shocked to see Iowa State. Mm. Um, and Louisville. Western Kentucky, South Alabama, and SMU. Well, I, I think I will. I will throw just a little bit of a shout out about Iowa State. Is they're down a game. That's true. That's true. This is cumulative yards. They've only had nine games. Yeah. A couple of the other teams on this list have only had nine games. Iowa State's yards per carry, uh, three point five nine. Still not great. No, but I mean that's Woody Hayes. Three yeah. yards on a cloud. Yeah, it's a it's a hundred and hundred twenty nine yards a game. So yeah, I mean not, the, not the end not the end of the world. Yeah, I mean it, yeah, you know they're not. What did you say? San Jose State was like about sixty five yards per game. I mean it's not. You get sixty five yards per game. Yeah, I mean you can you can work with a buck twenty eight per game. Well, especially in the Big 12. I mean, you think that's probably like, you know, yeah. everyone else is passing all the time. Anyway, let's move on to the deep roots. Uh, we'll start with the rare late-season neutral site game. Syracuse and Notre Dame facing off in Yankee Stadium, not in the Carrier Dome, as I erroneously stated a few shows ago. Uh, it's the Irish's real last test of the season, as far as I'm concerned. I don't believe in USC, even if Coach does. Uh, but in, in that vein, Coach, uh, what do you think the Orange need to do in order to pull off the upset? Well, they just need to do kind of what they pride themselves on doing, and that's um, running their tempo offense through Eric Dungy. Um, I think it's one of those things where they could just completely discombobulate Notre Dame and and get them off balance. Uh, Also, uh, it just depends on uh, who's playing quarterback for for Notre Dame and and if they they, – you know, just depending on what Brandon Wimbush does, what Ian Book does, or just kind of what, you know, who who's in there. You know, that's what Notre Dame's got to figure out. Who is their quarterback? Brandon Wimbush had a great game last week, but granted it was kind of like an elevated JV team. Um, I, I just, you know, this Notre Dame team just continues to impress me despite – changes like what they'd have at the quarterback position. So it does sound like Bush uh, sorry sorry it does sound like Book is going to start this game. Okay, well well uh they need to get after Book uh defensively and they just really they just need to to, to dictate the tempo, win special teams and just you know play with composure, honestly. Um I, I think if they uh stay within themselves and and dictate uh, the pace of the game to Notre Dame, I think they have a really good chance at it. Uh, it is a neutral site game, 
Um, it is more of a home game for Syracuse than it is Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame's going to be wearing these god awful uniforms, so that might affect them. Um, and you know, I, I like Syracuse when when they're running up tempo stuff. They gave Clemson uh, all they could handle with the with uh, with that. And you know, granted, Trevor Lawrence got hurt, but they were struggling before that too. So um, it just kind of that t- the tempo just kind of seems to discombobulate your team because. Uh, you can score so quick, it, it kind of puts the other team in, in, in panic mode a little bit. And if Notre Dame, uh, they've got to understand that Syracuse is going to get their points. Syracuse is going to get their yards. They're going to they're gonna get some chunk plays. They've just got to limit the, the ones that hurt the most and, and try their best to make them drive the football. And if Syracuse wants a chance to win, they've got to hit on some big plays. They've got to steal a possession. Josh? I think one thing that I'm really curious about is coming into the year, Syracuse's defensive line was sort of seen as the weak link on their defense, and we weren't really sure what the Orange were going to get. And they had that coming out party against Florida State, just totally dominated that game. And they haven't looked back, and they've worked themselves all the way up to ninth in the country in sacks. They've got 33 of them so far and the, the you know Notre Dame has a really good offensive line but even Ian Book he, he's played seven games he's been sacked eight times so and it's not like they've played some amazing defenses like Wake Forest for instance uh Navy for instance so he you know he is susceptible and I think coach mentioned getting some takeovers in the same vein, I think getting pressure, being able to win in the trenches without bringing an extra attacker so you can drop guys into coverage and not have to leave your secondary on an island, I think that's going to be the deciding factor. I think if Syracuse gets the offensive line play that they got to crush Florida State and got them to hang into that game against Clemson, I think Syracuse has a wonderful opportunity to win this game. I really do. I mean, I, I, I thought it was at the carry dome and I guarantee to win. Uh, I'm going to double down. Syracuse is winning this game in Yankee stadium, full stop. So there let's move on. Iowa state versus Texas biggest game in the big 12 this weekend. It's going down in Austin cyclones blowing into town to take on the longhorns. Josh, not sure how Texas is going to stop Iowa state uh, with Brock Purdy at the helm. They seem like a different team. They do. They do. And, and he just, you know, he's a winner. Um, sometimes you need to have a quarterback with some swagger and what he does really, really well is, realize his wide receivers, including Hakeem Butler, are really tall. Oh, by the way, sorry. And, uh, I just, I'm going to interject there, Josh. Yeah. Uh, it's criminal that Hakeem Butler is not a Blitnikoff semifinalist. No, I know. I know. It's, uh, that's pretty disgusting. But, hey, you know what? It wouldn't be an Iowa State football season without someone getting overlooked for them. But, uh, but you know, Purdy is, like I said, he's a winner. He He realizes that his wide receivers are either really tall or really fast, or some of them are a combo of both. And so he is just excelling at having some really nice deep throws. And it's not like he's even the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. He just does a really good job of getting it into the right area code and letting the talented players take over. And he knows to put it where only his guy can catch it. And, you know, that sounds really, really simple, but, you know, you can just pop in a tape of tons of college quarterbacks and see them just pressing and trying to hit these really narrow windows. And Purdy's just saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to check it over the top of you guys. And some of my home runs won't hit, but enough of them will. And that's what Iowa State's doing. And Texas's defense, well, I've talked about it. You know, I said that people were falling in love with this defense and I was looking at their schedule going, uh, Tulsa's not very good. USC's not very good. TCU's not very good. Kansas State's not very good. Oh, Oklahoma, 45 points. Baylor's not very good. Oh, they lost Oklahoma State. Oh, 
They lost to West Virginia. Oh, they gave up 34 points to Texas Tech. It's not a very good defense. So Purdy's going to have some great opportunities to pick apart yet another defense. And then on the flip side, Texas's offense, if you had a little bit of injuries at quarterback, uh, things aren't coming necessarily as easy as they were earlier in the season. And even when they were scoring some points, you know, they're only 79th in points per game. So Iowa State plays something the Big 12 is allergic to, and that's defense. This is a huge opportunity for Iowa State. They have a great chance to take advantage of it. The one reservation I have about going out on a limb like you did, Matt, is Austin can be a house of horrors for teams. And if this was an Ames, I think Iowa State, I would pick them in a second. But when you get the smell of cow manure and, uh, you know, the the 10-gallon hats are flowing with beer, funky things can happen in Austin. Yeah, they really can, Coach. And I feel like if Texas is going to win this one, it's going to be because of Sam Ellinger and Lil' Jordan Humphrey. Yeah, that's right. I mean, just Ellinger is uh, has actually become a pretty good threat to run the ball. Um, he runs that read option, uh, and they, they do their uh, modern triple option with the RPO and throwing the bubble stuff as well. Um, Ellinger is, is – a threat, especially down in the red zone, uh, to, to pull the ball and run it. And I kind of like what they did with that against Oklahoma State, even though they were on the wrong end of that scoreboard. But, um, you know, little Jordan Humphrey uh, is – he's uh, he's dynamic. Uh, the du- the Duvernay twins, they're, they're dynamic too as well. Uh, you can't dis- – you know, you can't discount them and – uh, you know, Texas has got a lot of weapons offensively. It's just going to honestly come down to uh, what can they do defensively to stop Iowa State. Uh, if you're Texas, you have to figure out a way to build a first-half lead because Iowa State's going to be one-dimensional in the first half because Dave Montgomery is serving his suspension. Uh, got uh, his part in the brawl uh, last week against Baylor. He has to sit out the first half, so that's a huge blow for the Cyclones. Uh, so they're going to have to kind of figure out how to survive the first half being just one-dimensional. Um, and Texas is going to have to figure out a way to take advantage of Iowa State being one-dimensional. So it's going to be an exciting game uh, nonetheless. And um, I, I think if Iowa State can can hit some of the, the deep balls early, open up the run game for when Montgomery comes back, I, I think I – think Iowa State's going to – I feel like they're going to cruise and their defense is going to make some big plays down the stretch. All right. Well, let's move on to number two, Clemson, hosting the Dukies on Saturday night in Death Valley. Most people think this matchups and see the matchup, see the 28-point spread, and think the Tigers should win in a walkover, but don't sleep on the Blue Devils. Uh, Daniel Jones, their quarterback, has been playing very well lately. Coach, do you see Duke being able to move the ball with any sort of consistency against Clemson? Uh, early on, yeah. Um, I, I think teams uh, sometimes can have success on Clemson early uh, before Clemson really gets kind of settled in. But once Clemson gets settled in and dialed in, it's 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 going to be, you know, Duke better Duke better strike while the iron's hot and and build uh, some sort of momentum or lead because once they once Clemson gets rolling, they're they're tough to stop. Josh, well, I don't think Duke has a great chance at at winning, but I will say this about Duke and Daniel Jones, he is. He's a hell of a quarterback. You mentioned it, Matt. He's been on fire since coming back from injury where he missed those two games and then was uh, mediocre against Virginia Tech, to say the least. But uh, he, he's back in rhythm. And here's the thing why he has an outside chance to move the ball and, and do some things against Clemson. He's used to being sacked. He doesn't mind having a pass rush get in his face. He was sacked 28 times last year, 29 times the year before. He's already been sacked 19 times this year. That's missing two games of action. David Cutcliffe knows that, hey, this is a program where it's hard to get a lot of players. It's a program where it's hard to get some meat, like at, say, Wisconsin. 
So the offensive line at Duke has never been particularly special. And it's not special this year, and Jones has been on his back quite a bit. But he's used to operating under those circumstances. He's used to not having a clean pocket. He's used to having to step up and take one on the chin. He's used to having to roll out and and do some things with his feet, even though he's not a tremendous runner. He certainly has the running ability. Um, Against North Carolina last week, he had 186 rushing yards. But for the most part, he's not a runner, but he – he just knows how to operate behind a not very good offensive line. And so as a result, I think Clemson's fantastic pass rush is lessened a little bit just based on the skill set Daniel Jones has. So that's going to be the interesting matchup, I think. All right. Well, we're going to finish off our deep roots tonight with not one, but two group of five matchups. And our first one's going to take us to Orlando, which is the site of college game day this weekend. They'll be in town for the game between Cincinnati and UCF. Josh, seems to me like this is sort of your classic immovable object versus unstoppable force matchup between a great Bearcat defense and a phenomenal Golden Knight offense. So who do you think is going to come out on top? Yeah, Cincinnati is playing some great, great defense. I'm just not entirely sure that they're ready for this prime time type matchup, not just playing at 7 o'clock p.m. on national TV, not just having game day, not the primetime aspect of that. I'm talking about the primetime aspects of Central Florida's offense being absolutely legit. You look at who Cincinnati's beaten this year, it's it's kind of a hodgepodge, you know. UCLA, they're struggling. Miami, struggling. FCS school. Yeah, Ohio, that might be their best win. Maybe SMU's their best win. Maybe South Florida's their best win. It's tough to really know what you're getting with Cincinnati. I kind of feel like they're maybe a year away with uh, Luke Fickle. Hmm. Uh, So I'm trusting Central Florida, that dynamic offense, Mackenzie Milton, getting it done, and all that jazz at home. They are such a good team at home. The other thing that I am curious about is Cincinnati's known for their defense, um, they can put up some points. They're 38th in the country right now. They average 35 points per game. They have a 1,000-yard back in Michael Warren. Second, a Desmond Ritter, pretty nice quarterback. A Khalil Lewis, dangerous wide receiver. I'm curious, if Cincinnati wins this game, if it's not the week we say, not we, because I still love Central Florida, but the ESPN folks, if this is the week they say, see, that, that UCF defense was never good enough to win a national title. I'm wondering if Cincinnati's best path to an upset is actually putting up a ton of points. That would not surprise me, Coach. Um, what do you think? I mean, I, I think they're going to try to make a statement here uh, and see how many they can put up on – a quality opponent, and if they have a chance to run it up, they will. And what makes UCF so dangerous is that, you know, like Clemson, they can click it on early and often, and it can get really ugly um, if you let it. They're they're third nationally in yards per game. Um, Milton, McKenzie Milton is just – Absolutely um, veteran in this offense. Uh, You know, Josh Heupel has done a tremendous job keeping their momentum rolling. Um, You know, this will probably be one of the best front fours they've seen uh, with Kamani Fitz and Michael Pitts and and the the guys inside with uh, Cortez Broughton and Marquise Copeland. If you're you're looking at uh, the G5 um, Front fours or the G5 defensive lines, I think Cincinnati's right there at the top um, as one of the most dangerous and dynamic of, uh, of, that, of that group. And, and this is they're going to give UCF some fits and pass pro, but I think what, what UCF does such a tremendous job of doing is uh, the RPO game, the quick screen game, and just getting the ball out. And uh, no matter what they're doing, whether it's – the stuff I just named or even some of the downfield stuff that they do, or even the vertical uh, game that they have or the vertical attack that they have, they still get the ball out uh, quickly. And and so that's kind of, you know, one thing that they've been able to do well is keep these pass rushes 
uh, at a minimum because of the speed in which they uh, get get rid of the ball and also uh, the effectiveness and efficiency of which they run their option game, uh, which is zone read and also uh, RPO stuff as well. So um, I, I, you know, I, I'm with you guys. UCF's going to make going to try to make a statement here. <clears throat> the only thing you hope is that they don't, or the only thing that they hope and UCF fans hope is that they don't try to press. If they try to press and try to do too much and try to make, you know, just have that in their mind, like, hey, we need to make a statement if we're going to have a chance at the playoffs and uh, and just completely play sloppy. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened either, um, but I'm going to go with the uh, with the former of of, uh, of my two statements there. All right. Well, finally, out on the left coast, we got a battle in the Mountain West-West division between San Diego State and Fresno State. Both these teams had tough losses last week. Aztecs fell to UNLV. Bulldogs lost on the smart turf. Uh, Josh, which of these two do you think is more likely to bounce back with a big performance on Saturday night? I'm going to go with Fresno State to bounce back. Uh, San Diego State, it's not a one-time kind of – head scratcher for them. They just kind of been in a funk this season. Uh, their running game hasn't produced the way we're used to They're averaging just 166 yards per game on the ground. Some teams would love that, but we're used to seeing Rocky Long's team up sniffing around the triple option teams. That's usually the running game that they have. And as a result, their offense has really struggled. They're averaging just 22 points per game. I, I like I said, this has been a season-long funk. Uh, Jawan Washington getting hurt in the middle of the season hasn't helped things. Uh, I still don't think he's all the way back uh, health-wise. Last week in that loss to UNLV, he was really ineffective, just 66 yards on 21 carries. Uh, Fresno State, um, healthy to healthy. I'd probably take it San Diego State, even though Fresno's been really good the last two years. But with this San Diego State kind of limping along, the game in the Big Green Valley, I think the Bulldogs bounce back from the Smurf turf loss. I think they wrap up the division this week. I think it's all things go for Tedford's club. Coach, how do you feel about this one? Well, I think think me and Josh really uh, share a big opinion there uh, about that one. I think it's – I mean, Fresno is just – anytime I've watched him and – you know, I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched them a whole lot, but every time that I do, they they really impress me a lot. Uh, and, and they really impress me about how just how well they – how well they're balanced. Um, their defense is, is solid, uh, more than solid. They're, they're averaging giving up only uh, 13.5 points per game. That's stellar uh, given the conference that they play in. They're scoring an average of 38 points per game. Um, they're they're chewing up 427. That's total yards. Uh, they're throwing better than they are running. But uh, you know, I think Tedford in his uh, you know the the resurgence of the of the Bulldogs at Fresno State. I think it's you know a lot to do with just kind of the overall uh, culture that Jeff Tedford brought brought and uh, just kind of the confidence that they have in playing well and knowing that they can, you know, do some things and they, they've recruited well and they've just, they're just kind of a, a program that's on the rise. And I've just been impressed watching them. Uh, and, and there's, there's not one single thing I can pinpoint, which is actually a good thing in this case, because they do a lot of things really well. and They're, they're only going to get better. All right. Well, it's time for us to move on to our spread formations. Uh, As you guys know, not going well for any of us this year. So let's just get to the picks. Uh, We'll start in Lincoln, Michigan State, two-point favorite on the road at Nebraska. Josh, who are you taking? I know Michigan State's defense has been frisky. They gave Ohio State some trouble. They gave Maryland some trouble in that win. Nebraska's moving the ball on everybody. Nebraska, to me, looks like one of the best seven-loss teams I've ever seen. I'm going to go with the Huskers because I think they win. Coach? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the Huskers as well. They just – 
they've impressed me with the way they've they've moved the ball and the way they've done some things. They just are uh, bumbling when it comes time to finish. But uh, so and Michigan State has just been sloppy. So give me uh, give me the Huskers. And here I was thinking I was going to be the only person taking Nebraska. All right, we'll move on. Uh, Pitt is a seven-point favorite in Winston-Salem against the Demon Deeks. Josh, who are you taking? Well, at first blush, you, you see Wake Forest at five and five, and you're thinking, oh, they're going to be fired up to win, get to a bowl game. They just knocked off NC State. They're coming in hot, but their point differential is a very good 31.8 points for per game while giving up 35.8 points per game. Then you look at their schedule. They got an FCS win in there. They got a dreadful win over Rice, uh, a win over dreadful Rice, I should say, a win over a struggling two-lane team. Uh, I just I don't think Wake is all that good despite playing 500 ball right now. Pitt can taste the ACC title game. I think Pitt comes in fired up using that running attack that's been deadly the last few weeks. Narduzzi's crew wins by more than seven, and they cover. All right, Coach. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard it's hard to pick Wake Forest at this point. I just – honestly, I just don't trust them. I, I think they're I think they're decent, but I just – I think Pitt has been better. And, and Pitt is – Pitt is uh, you know, at, at times they can, they can head scratch, and at times they can frustrate you and, and you wonder, what the hell? But – you know, other times they've looked really, really impressive, and uh, Wake Forest just has not, to be honest with you. So, um, give me, give me Pitt. Yeah, Wake Forest is 95, 95th in the country in rushing defense, and we know Pitt can run the ball. So, I think Pitt uh, wins this one going away. Next, uh, we've got uh, Arizona heading out to the Palouse. Cougars, ten and a half point favorites at home. Josh, what side do you want? Well, look, I picked Arizona to win the division. It was a little bit of a reach back in the offseason. It's a huge reach now. But we stick to our guns on this show no matter how wrong the take appears to go. So I got to ride or die with Arizona. They're going to pull off the monumental upset and win the division by by God. Give me the Wildcats. Let's make it happen. All right coach wow you're so enthusiastic about that yeah um, that was definitely enthusiasm yeah I'm, I'm not sharing your enthusiasm i'm taking <laughs> i'm taking the kooks here uh they're, they're just gonna keep rolling uh tracy Clades is is gonna actually uh, if he doesn't shut out arizona i think he's gonna come close to it uh and then gardner Minshew is gonna have another record day at home uh, on the palouse yeah uh, I'm with you there, Coach. Washington State's defense is just too much. Arizona can uh, – their pass defense not the greatest. Uh, I will go stick with you on this one and go with the Cougars. Next, uh, we've got Penn State 27.5-point favorites in East Piscataway, Josh. Uh, Rutgers managed to cover, cover last week, 35 number. They're going to do it again. Well, you look at Penn State and – yeah, they blew Pitt out at the beginning of the year. Yeah, they blew out Kent State at the beginning of the year. And yeah, they blew out Illinois at the beginning of the year. Since those blowouts, some losses, some narrow victories, they're not, they're not what they were, which is a really weird sentence to say. And that's the justification that I'm going with randomly taking the points in Rutgers, which is Penn State is not what they were. Coach? Yeah, you know, Josh, uh, Penn State isn't what they were. Uh, (laughs) They've been struggling, but here's the key. Rutgers is who they are. (laughs) Rutgers is who they are. And the key is what is the first digit of that point spread? Two. It's a two. So that would lead you to believe that it's somewhere in the twenty range. Mm-hmm. Um, that, they, that that is correct. So so um, I don't think they've. I don't think Rutgers has hardly ever. I think they've maybe covered one uh, spread under thirty. The only spreads they seem to cover are the ridiculous forty point spreads. 
Well, they covered um, the Northwestern spread. That's Northwestern. They're, they're an outlier. Um, like I said, that was that was their that was their lone ranger. Um, <laughs> they covered the Wisconsin spread. Wisconsin was a thirty point spread. Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was a thirty point spread. Exactly. Covered, it was, it was 30 exactly thirty. Spread. I remember I remember it well, trust me. Yeah. That that was that was uh, that was one that I was like, Yeah, they're gonna if it was any less than thirty, I would say Wisconsin's gonna cover it. But um but, well, so, Wisconsin only won that one by fourteen anyway. So, so but so that's your way of saying that Penn State is going to cover. Cover, yes. Yeah. I, I will uh, say this Rutgers rallies on senior day. Rutger, Rutgers rally. Rutgers rallies tongue twister uh, and they lose 42 to 7 they might have their biggest crowd of the season on senior day there might be 500 people there whoa 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 I mean let's be realistic Josh 300 (laughs) Uh, yeah uh, either way I think that uh, Rutgers will cover the spread in front of said uh, 225 people Uh, they will lose only by 24 uh, finally, uh, it's time for the Kansas line. Ah, oh, we're back to the good old fashioned 35 and a half point dogs on the road in Norman, Oklahoma, Josh, uh, rock chalk. Well, when you see that spread, you have to factor in Oklahoma has no defense, which means if Oklahoma gives up about 25 points, that means they need to score about, you know, 50 <laughs> or 70 Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the problem. Uh, no, I'm going to take Oklahoma. I think they. Okay. I think they just drop kick Kansas across the field. So I, I got word uh, from my boy Mark Mangino that they sent him a letter trying to recruit him, saying, "Hey, we're going to put up, we're going to put up 21 points on Oklahoma, and we're going to cover the spread." Mark Mangino said. Eh, I don't buy it. And you know what? If it's good enough for Mark Mangino, it's good enough for me. I don't buy it either. I, give me the Sooners. All right. Uh, I'm taking Kansas. I did not take them last week. Came back to bite me in the butt. I think Puka Williams Jr. is good enough that he will be able to carry Kansas to 17 points. And I think the Oklahoma wins 51 to 17, thus only by, by 34, not the necessary 35 and a half. All right. With that, uh, Josh, any final words from you? Yeah, we're we're bearing the lead again. Wow. Yeah, we did. Our good friends. Wow. Yeah, our good friends, Razorback Nation, Arkansas, baby. They hit the road to Stark Vegas to take on. Oh, that's who they. Oh, okay. I, I thought they had a game. I wasn't sure. Yeah. You know, Mississippi so, State is play, playing an FCS team like the rest of the, the, rest yeah. of the yeah. So here's, here's a little uh, set note. About the Mississippi State Bulldogs this year. They're 6-4, and four, ranked 21 in the country. People seem to really love what Joe Moorhead's doing. And the problem is they're really erratic in SEC play, as in they're 2-4, and four, and they don't win back-to-back SEC games. They just don't. And they beat Texas A&M a few weeks ago. And they beat Louisiana Tech, but then they lost Alabama. They keep having this start-stop cycle, start-stop cycle. They just got thumped by Alabama 24-0. They can't score in the red zone. We saw all those difficulties. This is prime time for Arkansas because they love to lose multiple SEC games in a row, just like they did when they lost to Kentucky and Florida. This is the week, baby. Razorback Nation, make it happen. Woo, pig suey. Coach. I don't know if I can follow that. I, 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 don't, know how, I don't know how you can expect to. <laughs> I think I just rambled on and on about Mississippi State. <laughs> but you ended it with a glorious woo pig. Yeah, I that's... did. That's all that matters. It can be total gibberish up until that point. Okay, well, you know what? I've, I've got a well finally tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we, we buried another lead. This is the best FBF, FBS, FCS matchup we've had in a while. That's Colgate versus Army. Josh, do you know how good Colgate's defense is? Uh, well, it's probably good at preventing plaque. <laughs> uh, and gingivitis. 
um, the gum disease, gingivitis. Uh, it is good at preventing plaque, preventing gingivitis, and preventing teams from moving the ball. They are number one. They are number one in FCS in rushing defense. They allow fifty six point seven yards per game. Uh, number four in passing defense, one thirty five point seven per game. Number one in total defense, and number two in time of possession. They've given up twenty nine points all season, and seventeen of those were in their first game. They have given up twelve points since. Uh, the second week of September. They are only 11-point dogs at Army. This is one to keep your eye on uh, early game on, on Saturday. You know, uh, Colgate might might pull the upsets. Uh, Army, you know, maybe looking ahead to the finale of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy for the Army-Navy game coming up in a couple of weeks. Not saying, just saying. <sighs> anyway, that is going to do it for us here tonight on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is the professor in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. I'm just a poor boy living in the family. Sparing his life from this monstrosity. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.